What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. In other news, the Zips losing streak has continued. Just had to be against the electric chickens, didn't it? In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. (laughs) Have you ever tried DMT? (laughs) And of course, the hottest takes. I want Baker Mayfield because he solidifies what Cleveland is. It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? I woke up feeling dangerous. You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. The best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be is back in your life. It is Sunday, which means it is time for Sports Power Talk. This is the February 13th edition of SBT. My name is Jake Murrin, and I am your host for today's show. Joining me are my analysts, Mark Anderson. Mark Sanderson. What's up, man? How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Good. And Pat Weber. Good morning to everybody but Kent State. That's all I have to say. I feel you there, Pat. All right, we have a lot to get to in today's show, including the exciting return of baseball. It's finally back. The crazy week we had in the NFL. And we will also be discussing everything college basketball as it is Selection Sunday for the tournament. And March Madness is officially underway. But we will kick this episode of SBT off with a celebration of the men's and women's MAC tournaments. Ladies and gentlemen, your Akron Zips are your 2022 MAC champions. How do we feel about this? What a game. I'll give it to you guys first. I am so, I am so happy. I really am. After, especially with Kent State with their whole suspension thing, um, before we came on, Marcus showed me the video. I am, uh, very, uh, to say, displeased with what they were saying. I'm glad that we kind of, I'm guaranteeing we said as a fire to win this game. Sincere Carey is the most overrated player to ever touch a basketball. Mac yeah. Player of the Year. Still, then he only shot two for 11, only had six points. He had nine turnovers, and they did that in 40 minutes. Yeah. Overrated. Overrated. I'm glad, I'm at, glad we won. At halftime, he was one for seven from the floor and had seven turnovers. So he had as many turnovers as he did field goal attempts. Only made one basket. Supposedly the MAC tournament player of the year or the MAC player of the year. And then in the second half, he makes one three. He's two for eight and he decides to dance on the floor. That little jerk. I don't that. understand why he yeah. would have done that. I mean, he didn't, I don't know if he didn't realize what the score was and how terrible he was playing. He's just, um, but he's just cocky, man. Yeah. I'm I'm glad because now he's dancing his way back to Kent. No tournament for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pat, you did address the video that was made yes. by Kent State players 
Uh, let's discuss that for a little bit. While we can't get into the specifics of what was uh, happening in the video on air, so it was made by DJ Johnson, a Kent State player, and it also featured Malik Jacobs, Clyron Hornbeak, and Julius Rollins. And those players were suspended for half of the game, the first half, and then DJ Johnson was suspended for the entire game. A lot of Kent State player or fans are saying that's why we beat them. But honestly, just focusing on the video itself, what were you guys' takeaways from that? And is Kent State full of themselves or what? Yeah, they're full of themselves. And I remember you saying that last time when they was over here at the jar that they came over to our student section and was like, don't was spinning at us? Yeah, they were. They ran. <laughs> they were over waving. They were, they were waving, spitting. They were uh, wow. doing other gestures towards. And they, and they talk about. And they talk about that being a classy school. And yeah. And speaking of that, shout outs to DJ Johnson. Shout outs to Malik Jacobs and all uh, the other two Kent State players for giving us a little motivation before the game to blow out to blow y'all yeah. out. Thank Amen. you. Thank you Amen. so much. Yeah. It Thank was like so a <laughs> it was like a Browns is the Browns yeah. kind yeah. of thing. I don't yeah. know if it well with you, Pat. <laughs> yeah. And also, also <laughs> that, oh, shout out to Sincere Curry. Um, a little overrated, but for that little dance, gave us a little more motivation, you know. Oh, yeah. put, put a little fuel in our engines, you know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, for but sure. If, if I'm Kent State, I would be just downright embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, they should already have been embarrassed for what they did when they beat us here by two at uh, the jar after a very questionable night of officiating, I will say, because I was at that game. Um, and then to go out and say that they are a classy program and then for that video to come out, I would just be downright embarrassed if I was involved with them at all. Like, that's just embarrassing. And also, like, you can tell with the players before the game, like during warm-ups, they're so full of themselves. They're so cocky. Sincere's doing a bunch of crazy stuff during the, the warm-ups and everything, and... It even looked at like one moment since he was being coached by the Mac coach of the year and he wasn't even looking at his coach. It just not even absorbing that advice that his coach was giving him and instead just worrying about himself, which ended with a two and eleven night, nine turnovers and only six points for the supposedly Mac tournament play or the Mac player of the year. Um I was at that game, I was covering it with Alex and Logan, and just the environment was electric. Kent State fans definitely showed out more than Akron fans did, but the most important thing was that Kent State fans left well before Akron fans did that oh, yeah. night. Um, Akron fans were there even before I left, or later than I left. Um, the celebration was amazing to see. And can we just talk about the most valuable player of the MAC tournament, Enrique Freeman, for a minute? Because he deserves all the love in the world oh, he does. on this mm-hmm. Zips team. In the championship game last night, he scored 23 points, went 8 for 10 from the floor, and had 8 rebounds mm-hmm. as well. Uh, in the MAC, in the Mid-American Conference, he is first in field goal percentage, rebounds per game, total rebounds, defensive rebounds, and double-doubles. He was also uh, given the MAC Defensive Player of the Year award, and he's a walk-on. He's he's a beast. Yeah. If there's anybody on our team that could go perfect, like go to the pros, it would be Enrique. I he agree. is an absolute monster. Absolutely. Yeah. In, inside the top ten, almost every stat category in the nation, not just in the MAC, but in the nation. Yeah. In I think the it's NCAA. like I think it's like third or fourth in field goal percentage in the nation. Yeah. And then almost right up there with double doubles and rebounds per game as well. Absolute monster on the court. And you know, I interviewed him. 
uh, before the MAC tournament. It was up on SBT Overtime, and I asked him, like, what what do you want to achieve before your college career is over? And his answer was a MAC title. And seeing him last night on the court celebrate, cutting down the net, um, it was a beautiful thing. Seeing the walk-on who had almost no confidence going into that tryout, not only make the team, but reach his goal of becoming MAC champions in his sophomore year of play. Truly, truly incredible. Do you have any last words for Enrique Freeman's performance, not only last night, but um, his career and this season in general? I mean, he's just an absolute beast on the court. I mean, he's he's just, I, don't, I have nothing to say other than he's, he's a fantastic player. I mean, he dominates inside the paint. He has he can shoot, so, like, don't leave him open. Um, his hustle game, too, is unreal. Mm-hmm. Like, he has got an engine that just does not stop. And, and he I motivates the entire team, too. Outstanding career. Uh, another tremendous story that we could talk about for years and years here at Akron, officially an Akron legend. I, I guarantee you, as soon as he walks out of here, walks out of the drawer, walks out of this arena, he's going to get his number retired. Like, nobody gets to wear number 25 after he leaves. I agree with that. <laughs> I like I'll, it. I'll, I'll agree with that. He, he definitely deserves that. He has done a lot for this program, especially this year. And I'm, yeah. I'm happy to see him. I I'm like happy it. to see this team with, especially when. You, you know, like you have class and you know them, it's it's really cool to see them experience that. And I love it. I love I love it for them. Yeah, I do too. It's, it's an incredible story. It was beautiful to see it play out. And just seeing the young man turn into what he has become and just lead the team all the way to the MAC title. And who knows even further because we made the big dance. We are in. March Madness. We'll see where we get placed later on tonight as it is Selection Sunday. But before we move on to the women's tournament, I want to break down the entire men's MAC tournament from the first round on to the championship game where we beat Kent State. Always have to remind people of that. But in the first round, Pat, you and I were there. Uh, The first game was number one Toledo versus number eight Central Michigan. Only a one-point game, Toledo sneaked by the Chippewas. Uh, Cedric Milner Jr. of Toledo had 22 points. He was 10 of 17 from the floor. Any takeaways from Toledo's slight victory over Central Michigan? Um, Watching Central Michigan play, they, for some reason, despite their record not being the best, they hang in there with the best of the best. I mean, they gave us a run for our money in the final uh, regular season game. At home, we only won by one. Um, that team is just like, they're scrappy, but, I mean, they are they just hang in there with the best of the best. Um, obviously, everyone thought Toledo would win. I was kind of hoping, though, that somehow Central Michigan could pull out an upset because that would have been fun to see, you know, the underdog. But yeah. um, And Akron would have had to play the winner of that game. Yeah. And Easier I mean, road. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a fun game to watch, honestly, and a good win for Toledo, but... Pretenders. That's all I have to. Yeah. What, what's a rocket? <laughs> what's a rocket? What's a rocket? I only know about the zips. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Fair enough. I think the Toledo Rockets mascot is pretty cool, though. It is. It's it pretty sweet. Cool. Almost looked like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So uh, the next game did feature our very own Akron Zips taking on the Buffalo Bulls, and we sneaked by Buffalo seventy to sixty-eight. Uh, Ali Ali had nineteen points. Enrique had 10 points, only one rebound shy of a double-double. 
Uh, Xavier Castaneda showed up big in the first and second game of the tournament. He had 15 in this one. Also, Triple had those six clutch free throws down the stretch. So that was that. Toledo versus Akron in the second round. And then finishing off the first round real quick, it was Kent State versus Miami of Ohio. Sorry, Logan, but Miami of Ohio didn't get it done. Logan had Miami in the championship game. Actually, not only beating Kent State, but beating uh, the winner of Ohio and Ball State. So he had Miami winning, but it was Kent State nonetheless. Kent State won 85-75. to Sincere Carey had a fantastic first half, but he finished the game 5-15 for 15 with 15 points. And it was Malik Jacobs who was leading the team in scoring with 21 for the, the Golden Flashes or the Electric Chickens, as they are known around these parts. Finishing off the first round, though, it was number three, Ohio, versus number six, Ball State. Ohio won 77-67. to 67. I predicted the whole tournament right up until that point. I thought Ball State was going to beat Ohio because I had Ohio as my pretender, but Ohio didn't get past the second round. So, I mean, I guess it is still a little bit valid. Kent State beat Ohio 67-61, to 61, moving Kent State into the championship game. And then Akron beat Toledo 70-62. to 62. Uh, Marcus, I know you were at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for that second round, those two games. Any takeaways from either the Toledo and Akron game or the Kent State <coughs> and Ohio game? Well, first, from Toledo or Akron, uh, it was a pretty, pretty much hard-fought game, but... Akron shows why they was there in the first place, why they made it so far, and that was with defense. Like, throughout the whole game, like, Toledo never led the game, never took the lead at all, not throughout, not one time throughout the game. And that was because, that was because Akron just kept keeping the efficiency on their offense and at the same time kept the, kept their defense as stalemate. And Enrique showed why he's defensive player of the year in the conference and just... As Toledo kept getting closer, that's when the more Akron would pull away, and that's how they claimed the victory. Also, second game, Kent State with and Ohio. Um, Ohio pretty much uh, almost had them on the ropes there. Like, they was with their three-point shooting and also tough defense, but they was also more focused on when the ball was down front. I mean, down under the court. Uh, I mean, under the hoop. Yeah. Yeah, and also, but Kent State, with their, they had amazing three-point shooting as well. And also, once again, Cesar Curry, um, Curry, I mean, I would say he's a decent playmaker, not an amazing playmaker. I still don't see why he was named Conference Player of the Year. Had some turnovers in that game as well, but still came out with the victory. He came with the clutch shot at the end, and that's how Kent State came away with the win. Yeah, even in that win, Sincere Carey had 16 points, but 6 for 18 shooting the ball, so not very efficient. And again, not even the team's yeah. leading scorer. It was actually Malik Jacobs with 19 points. Uh, any takeaways from the second round, Pat? Um, I really like the way that we fought. Like uh, Marcus said, when we were going down at points against Toledo, we would immediately bounce back. We wouldn't let that um, get to us. Like, earlier in the season uh, when we were talking about this team, it was like, when we would go down, we would just resort to launching threes, but this tournament, and especially in that game, we looked inside. We looked at, we just moved the ball well, looked inside, came away with a great win, and then again, with Ohio and Kent State, um, Sincere Carey, stop dancing when you can't shoot. Please, it's embarrassing for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're overrated. Mac Player of the Year should have been Enrique Freeman. Um, anyway, um, Ohio did play very well. Um, a fantastic uh, season for them. But ultimately, Kent State just has a couple 
more. I think they have uh, more key pieces coming off their bench, more depth, and I think that's what helped draw the win uh, for Kent State. Yeah, I do agree with you there. And then we get to last night at the championship game. It was electric and Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. We already talked about it a little bit, but it wasn't even close. Akron won 75-55, to 20-point game over the Kent State Electric Chickens. And just how sweet it was. Um, I also asked Enrique on the podcast, hey, like, are you going to pay attention to Kent State in the tournament? Do you want them again? And straight up, he just said yes. He said, you know, he might not focus on it or he might, uh, you know, not care if they don't reach them in in the tournament. But he wanted that Kent State matchup. He wanted revenge. And it never tasted so sweet. You know, Kent State's. Just, you know, can't read, can't write, can't win the big one. They can beat us all they want in the regular season, and they can gloat about being 2-0 against us in the regular season. But it, when it comes to the big one in the MAC tournament for the MAC title and a bid into March Madness, it's Akron all the way. Guys, I mean, what a season. What a MAC title. Great season. What a game. Um, going into... March Madness, though, onto bigger and better things for this team, as if this wasn't enough. You know, seeding-wise, we'll find that out tonight, but what do you guys think of this team going into March Madness? Well-deserved. This is the first time since 2013 that we've made an appearance in March Madness. I'm excited. Enrique definitely got his revenge. 23 points on 8 for 10. And he wasn't even the leading scorer. Like, I sent out an update on our Twitter page around, like, nine minutes left in the game. And he had, like, I think nine or 12 points at the time. And he wasn't even the leading scorer. Yeah, he, and he finished with 23. He went off. His yeah. and one uh, towards the end of that game. I was over at a friend's house and erupted. Yeah. And, I mean, you would have thought that we we just won March Madness at that point. That's how, <laughs> that's how so it felt Cleveland. all over. That's how it felt all over campus. I mean, campus itself after that win was just electric. Yeah, Anywhere so did Cleveland, went, too. Um, shout out Enrique Freeman. He got his revenge. Let's carry it into the tournament. That's <laughs> That's but, yeah, I feel great about this team. Kind of disappointed that this team should be in the top 25, but that's fine. They play like a top 25 team. That's at least that's good. But still, I got – I'm already predicting at least uh, – Sweet 16 appearance. A sweet 16 appearance. I like it. I love it. I like it. At least sweet sweet 16. (laughs) It's going to be really awesome to see these guys on that stage and rooting them on in the big dance. And I can't wait for that again. Selection Sunday today. Don't count Um, us out. Anything can happen. That's why it's called March Madness. Anything can happen. Don't count us out. And you said there was a... A watch party at the Jar tonight, um, Pat? Yeah, there is going to be a watch party tonight at 5 p.m. at the Jar for the selection. Come out. Pack the Jar. Yes, sir. We're going dancing. Yes. Not yeah. only to celebrate last night's amazing win, but also to root on our zips for the upcoming game or games, especially Sweet 16 appearance. I would love to see that out of our very own Akron Zips. Um, unfortunately... Our Akron Zips did not fare very well in the women's side of the tournament. So let's get into that just a little bit, as that also went down in Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So the first round was pretty entertaining. Did have one upset in the mix as well. So Toledo was the number one seed in the women's tournament as well. They beat the number eight seed, Ohio, 80-67. to 
Northern Illinois versus Ball State, the number four and five seed. Ball State won that one, 60 to 54. A little bit of an upset there. And then number two, Buffalo versus number seven, Western Michigan. It was a blowout. Buffalo won 63 to 49. And then the last game was our Akron Zips, number three versus the number six seed, Bowling Green. And Akron handily won that one, 81 to 67. MAC Player of the Year, Jordan Dawson, scored 22 points, seven rebounds, and had seven steals in that game. Any takeaways from the first round of the women's tournament, gentlemen, um, or getting into that second round? Um, first off, we still own Bowling Green in everything. In everything. So, um, yeah. We're their kryptonite, but it was a it was an entertaining first round. I will admit that. It was good to see uh, the women's team move on after just, I was like smoking Bowling <laughs> Green, but like beating them pretty easily. And um, I was excited to get into that next round, but of course it didn't play out the way. Uh, Not even a little bit. Um, I I watched that Buffalo-Akron game, which was in the second round, and there were times where I was kind of yelling at the TV. It was it was tough to watch, especially in the first round. You know, against Bowling Green, we had 51.8% shooting and 50% from beyond, beyond the arc. Great shooting game for us, beat Bowling Green, Getting that momentum going into the second round, and then we lose to Buffalo, eighty-two to forty-three. Jordan Dawson scored fifteen points, went six for fifteen from the floor, not too efficient, but was the leading scorer with fifteen. But the team in general, twenty-five point eight percent shooting from the floor, and even worse, five point three percent from three-point range. We made one of our nineteen shots from beyond the arc. Any any takeaways from that game against Buffalo? It was very frustrating to watch, and I'm sure um, the ladies on the team felt the same way. It was pretty frustrating, like you said, to watch that game. Um, I mean, obviously the Zips were underdogs going into that game as Buffalo was the number one seed, but they were just, I mean, ice cold. I mean, 5.3% from the three. That's That alone is enough to just kill down, just enough yeah. to kill the team's like, motivation. I don't even know what sounds worse, 5.3% or 1 for 19. They both <clears> sound <throat> pretty rough. Yeah. Honestly, 5.3 sounds worse. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think so, because it's like 1 for 19. Not, it's like, oh, but then we're going to No, 25.6 from the field. <laughs> I mean, that's that's horrible. Yeah. But anyways, besides that, I mean, shout out to the girls team. I mean, they had a great season. They're a heck of a team, very tough team. <clears throat> I mean... And I watched both the t- both the men's and women's, and even though the men's team may be talented, but no offense, but I've been watching the women's, and the guys are not as tough as the girls, honestly. I mean, when I see the girls, they I dive in for loose balls, uh, crash into the scores table, go into the stands. I mean, I see a, I see a lot of that watching the girls. I don't see plenty of that watching the watching the guys play. But anyways, uh, into this game. I mean, I knew it was. I knew we was going in as underdogs because the last meeting it was, uh, the last meeting we had with them it was a two to fifty nine, and this being a two to forty three. I mean, I knew because their point guard Daisha Fair. I mean, from Buffalo. I mean, she got last time. I mean, she got handles like AI and then got strapped like Curry. So yeah, and also they're defensively and much more talented than us, and that's why they had eventually won the MAC title. Yeah, it was an unfortunate second-round matchup for the Zips. I do like your take about how tough they were. Um, unfortunately, their run did stop short for them. In the other second-round matchup, we had a bit of an upset, though. Toledo, the number, the number one seed, lost to the number five seed, Ball State. 
71 to 66. Uh, Sydney Freeman for the Cardinals had 19 points. So the championship game was number two Buffalo versus number five Ball State for the women. And Buffalo won 79 to 75. You mentioned her name already, Marcus, but Daisha Fair. She had 30 points and six assists in the championship game. Uh, Georgia Woolley also had a great game with 29. This Buffalo team is very talented. And congrats to Buffalo. Any takeaways from the championship game and Buffalo's MAC title? Um, Ball State, don't sleep on them. That's that's the mindset I had when I was watching that first round. I was like, you know, maybe Ball State can do it, and they did. They almost, almost won. But congrats on a great season to everyone. Yeah, but I do agree with you. And I think Buffalo can. Make a run themselves in the women's bracket come here in March. Uh, Daisha Fair, I could easily see her in the WNBA one day. Yeah, uh, you, Absolutely. Yeah, you explained her game very well, Marcus. Um, and good for Ball State for putting up a fight. The number five seed definitely put on a show in the MAC tournament. But the biggest takeaway from the MAC tournament was Akron's win over Kent State in the championship game. We're going to be talking about it for a long time, definitely a couple of weeks, um, rubbing it in to some Kent State guys. Uh, let's not stoop to their level, though. I will say that. Let's uh, keep it professional and show them that we're not only better than them and they know it, but we're better than them and we can be humble about it. Just like Marshawn Lynch once said, I'm just about that action, boss. <laughs> exactly. There you go. about that action. There we go. All right. Well, we're going to cut it to break. Once we come back, we're going to be sticking to – college basketball talking about March Madness and teams to look out for and we'll also talk about the Cavs 2 and 2 week and breaking down everything there as well we will be right back on 881 WZIP What's going on everyone we are back with more sports power talk the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murrin, and I am the host of today's show. Joining me today are my analysts, Pat Weber. Go Zips. And Marcus Anderson. Back at it. Yes, sir. So let's kick it right off with some March Madness talk. The dance is going to begin very, very soon. Just breaking down some of the tournament winners, though. Obviously, your very own Akron Zips won the MAC. Never going to let that go. But Virginia Tech won the ACC. Jacksonville State won the ASUN. Kansas won the Big 12. Villanova won the Big East. UAB won Conference USA. Loyola, Chicago won the Missouri Valley. Arizona won the Pac-12. And Gonzaga won the West Coast. The SEC and Big 10 champions will be decided today. So a lot of a lot of tournaments going on right now. A lot of them did finish off yesterday, though, and that list of winners I just mentioned all punched their bid into the big dance. Um, going to you guys, though, any surprises from these tournaments, and who do we think has the best chance at going far into the men's tournament? Um, one big surprise I didn't actually notice. We were, I would mention that I think it would be cool if somehow you know Akron in. University of Dayton could match up, but I didn't know that uh, University of Dayton lost in their championship game against Richmond last night. So, 
that's kind of a surprise. It might be tough sliding for Dayton to get into the tournament then? They, I think they still could because okay. of the success UD has had the past couple of years. Um, I, I think they might slide in, but it'd be very difficult to, to slide in. I'm seeing a lot of surprising faces, a lot of unfamiliar faces like UAB or Boise State. And then also a couple of others like CSU, Mississippi State. I mean, Jackson State, Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. But still, I think if I was to place bets right now to see who's going to win it all, I'd say Arizona. I mean, they're they're the best team defensively, and they're amazing team. They put a lot of points on the board. They kind of reminds me of that UNLV team, that legendary team with Larry Johnson them back in 91 when they won it all back then, or in 1990, either or. But yeah, this Arizona team is is a is a heck of a team, and I see okay. them winning all. I mean, I still say Gonzaga is the new Duke, is the program that Duke used to be a decade ago or two. That's that's what Gonzaga is right now. But I'll place my bets on Arizona. Okay, I don't hate it, uh, Pat. Before I give my prediction, I want to hear from you. I was like, speaking of Duke. Uh, Duke lost to Virginia Tech last night, so that was yeah. a huge, yeah. huge upset. But if I have to pick a team to win it all, it is your very own University of Akron Zips. Do not oh, sleep on the Zips. Dude, stop being delusional. <laughs> no, like, I'm listen, I, I know I say a lot. Obviously, I love our Zips, but don't sleep on us. We're a really, really solid program, and we hang in there at the best of the best. Don't count us out. Right. We're going all the way. Uh, I'm not mad. I shouldn't be mad. That's why they call him March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine Akron on the biggest stage winning it all? Coach John Gross, Enrique Freeman, Ali Ali hoisting up the trophy. Oh, I don't think campus would be a thing anymore because, yeah, I mean. I don't know if you would be a thing anymore, Pat. <laughs> I, mean, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't because last night, I mean, I said I lost my voice a little bit from not even being in person at the game. I was watching it on TV. Yeah. If celebrations run wild for oh, sure. Oh. Do you have a, a secondary team other than the Zips or are you just riding hard with them? Um if I had to pick a secondary team, I would probably put it on Purdue. Okay. I think I think they can come out from the Big Ten and win it. But obviously they gotta get through the Zips first and that's not gonna happen. All right. Go love, Zips. <laughs> go Zips. I do love the confidence coming out of you, Pat. So I have three teams, um, and they were already mentioned by you guys, that I'm looking towards. So first off, Arizona. Like you said, Marcus, they're one of the best defensive teams in the nation. They're 31-3. and They won the Pac-12, which isn't an easy conference to play in. They're also on a six-game winning streak, so they're hot at the right time. Uh, Tommy Lloyd could be coach of the year as well. I just really like how Arizona has been playing as of late. And... You know, if there were to be, like, a bracketologist at WZIP Sports, his name would be Jeff Longville. And he's kind of been giving me some pointers here and there. And I think he might go Arizona. So, I mean, if I'm if I'm going with one team, I'd probably trust him the most and go with Arizona as well. But personally, it's a bad habit. I usually go with Gonzaga. So I'm not sure which one I'll go with this year. You know, like you said, Gonzaga is just the new Duke. They're always in the dance. They're always getting far in the tournament. They always make it deep. And, you know, Chet Holmgren this year has been fantastic. So I could see the Zags making a deep run, if not wing at all. And then I also have Purdue. So I'm right there with you, Pat. 
I think Purdue is very talented. They're well-rounded everywhere. And they have the star player, Jaden Ivey, and even Zach Day. Um, both of those guys can run the floor and space out the ball very well. So I do like how Purdue is structured. And we'll see how those three teams fare in the tournament. If I had to pick one right now, I probably would go with Arizona and agree with you, Marcus. Um, and, of course, you got to throw the Zips in there, too. You know, all these teams got to get past the Akron Zips first before they can get anything done themselves. But, yeah, Arizona, Gonzaga, Purdue, those are my three teams to keep an eye on. But I am leaning Arizona because bracketologist Jeff Longville said so. So I'm just going to ride with him probably on this one. Uh, finishing up March Madness and you know, just college basketball talk in general, though. Did you guys see the comeback win that Indiana had over that team up north in, in college basketball? I did, and I was pretty upset about that because on our fantasy thing, I had I had said uh, Michigan was going to win. Yeah, um, the Ohio, you did. the Ohio in me is happy that Michigan lost, though, because that's just the Ohio in me that uh, nobody likes Michigan. Yeah, nobody likes Michigan. If you live in Ohio and you like Michigan, you're not an Ohioan. I'm I'm sorry. So, just giving some context of this Indiana and Michigan basketball game. So, it's in the Big Ten uh, conference tournament. And Michigan was kind of running away with it. They were winning 60-43 to 43 with 11 minutes it left in the game. So a very sizable lead. And then 11 minutes left, Indiana goes on a 31-9 to nine run to finish the game. And Indiana won 74-69. to 69. That was the final score of the game. It felt it, good. Knowing Just, that Jawan Howard alone was not going to be... I mean, he's got to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. He, after what he did, yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. You tried, you tried to fight an assistant yeah. coach. Come on, dude. You would think he'd he'd be gone after the season. You would think he's a you know member of Kent State staff with that type of... Uh, with that type of behavior? Yeah. yeah. No yeah. class. <laughs> Maybe that's where he goes next, you know? I'm sure they'd happy to, they'd be happy to have him. Oh, they um, would have been since you're yeah. here. Would love dancing with them too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on this game, I mean, Indiana just shows the character that this team had all season long, and uh, I've seen them because <clears throat> they beat Ohio State earlier in the season in a mm-hmm. similar fashion, and you, you can't quit on this team. Like you can't sleep on this team. Like there's no guarantees playing against the Indiana Hoosers. Uh, there's no easy walk in the park when you playing these guys. Like. Absolutely not. If you think that, uh, might as well, might as well go back home or just face the mayhem that you gotta face when playing the Indiana Hoosers. Yeah, Indiana is a very talented team. Did you guys catch the Indiana Iowa game last night by chance in the Big Ten tournament? If uh, I did not, unfortunately. I, I was, mean, I mean, Zips, I was looking forward right? to the Zips game. Yeah, right? um, it wasn't last night. It was yeah, no, it was eighty to seventy-seven. Iowa won. It was yesterday afternoon. That's why I caught it because it was before the Zips game. Um, Indiana was leading almost the entire time. And then out of nowhere, Iowa comes back. Uh, Connor McCaffrey had a great game. I can't remember who it was, though. He was knocking down threes left and right late in the game. Had a curry range banked in three to finish it off and win the game 80-77, to which sets up a very entertaining Big Ten championship game today at 3.30 between the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, Both of us, Pat, were very high on Purdue, but Iowa 
is heating up at the right time, too. So that's going to be a fun game to watch. And it's going to have big implications on the seeding in the tournament as well. So moving on from everything college basketball, but we're going to stick on the subject of basketball with our very own Cleveland Cavaliers. They are 38-29 and on the season. They are still sixth in the Eastern Conference, and they went 2-2 and this week. They're 3-7 and in their last 10 games. We're going to start it off as they did this week with a win over the Raptors last Sunday, a 104-96 to win. I'll give it to you guys. What did you guys think of the Raptors win? Um, it was a really solid win. I really liked how we uh, played as a team. Unfortunately, though, in that game we did lose Jarrett Allen. Right, that um, is the biggest storyline. Injuries, injuries for us recently have been, they've just been brutal. I mean, we're losing players left and right. Um, and I want to put that on the reason why the past couple of games we've been slipping, but it doesn't help when, I mean, your main one of your main go-to guys is out. It, it That doesn't help at all. Yeah. Why can't we just have nice things, mm-hmm. you know? I think it's just because God kind of hates Ohio sports sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Cleveland against the world. Yeah. And, you know, we know better than you about that, Pat. So. Hey, listen. <laughs> I mean, we do. Okay, I know, but, like, I mean, I think you, that you phrase applies only... most to the Browns than any other team. It does apply more to the Browns. Okay, I was like, you have to remember, I do like all other Ohio sports. I just cannot root for the Browns, and I'm I'm sorry about that. Still, but you should be, you should. Be. I mean, but I'm I'm not because I'm right. you know I'm I'm just saying it's fine. But yes, as you said, Jarrett Allen went down in that Raptors game with a fractured finger. He's out indefinitely. Uh, really a big blow to the team. He was one of the two all-stars on the team. Uh, the Cavs did sign Moses Brown to a 10-day contract. And, you know, Ed Davis is getting some playing time as well. Uh, Marcus, any thoughts on the win against the Raptors and Jarrett Allen's unfortunate injury? Oh, first of all, that, that was a nationally televised game. That was on ESPN, mm-hmm. NBA prime times. Great to see us on there with the Raptors. And also, um, they won this game in the best fashion possible. And I see similarities between this team and our our team, the Akron Zeps. Like, everybody gets a chance. Like, everybody gets what's theirs. Everybody gets what they want. And everybody gets paid. Everybody gets fed. Everybody gets – and even though Darius Garland may be our only R-star, not our only R-star, but you know what I mean. I mean Healthy this, one. Yeah. I mean, this is not – I mean, this is really a team. You know, everybody gets what's theirs. Everybody gets what they want. And everybody gets the ball, pretty much. Even though, especially with Mark Cannon being the leading scorer of that game with 22 points, 8 for 18 from the field, and 3 for 4 free throw shooting. I mean, this is a team for real. I agree with that. There's, yeah. there's Obviously, there's the standout players, as there are on every team, but they don't have to shine for us to win. We don't have to rely on those all-stars to win a game. Yeah. I, I agree with both of you. In that Raptors game, Lori Markinen, Evan Mobley, and Darius Garland all had double-doubles. Um, Evan Mobley, really impressive night. 20 points and 17 rebounds for the young man. Definitely putting in his case for Rookie of the Year, if not already solidifying that. We had 17 turnovers that night, but was still able to get the job done. And then we move on to the Indiana Pacers where we sneak away with a win, 127-124. to 124. The Pacers always seem to put up a fight against the Cavs, but nonetheless, it was our first regular season sweep of the Pacers since the 
2008 season. So definitely love to see that stat. Any takeaways from the Pacers win? I love Darius Garland. Isn't he great? He's, yeah, he's, oh, I love Darius. That's, uh, that's all I have to say. 41 points. 41 Come points on, and 13 assists. A historical night for all-star Darius Garland. Yeah. With Colin Sexton, we're the best backcourt duo. We have the best backcourt duo in the league. Like, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, this, this will show that. And Darius Garland, 41 points, like you said. I mean, he's rising to um, maybe superstar potential. And also, also Colin Sexton as well. I mean, we're almost like the splat. The 2.0 version of the Splash Brothers, uh, our very own Splash Brothers. But yeah, in this game, um, I, I would say we snuck out of this victory. We snuck out of a possible Pacers win. But yeah, it's a, it's a road team, like I said. Yeah, I do agree. Evan Mobley had another double double, 22 points and 12 rebounds in the game. Lori Markinen had a great night with 21. Uh, the Pacers had eight players in double digits, so it was a well balanced game for Indiana. They did shoot better than us, but they turned the ball over nine more times than the Cavs. So a three-point game with nine more turnovers from the Pacers. you got to think that's what put them in. And then we're 2-0 on the week, and then we get to the tough back-to-back games on the road. First off, against the Miami Heat, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. We do fall to them 117-105. to Again, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley had double-doubles. Garland with 24 points and 10 assists. Mobley, 19 points and 12 assists. It also featured Rajon Rondo's return. Any takeaways from the game against the Heat? Um, Even though Darius Garland did, he was our leading scorer with 24. Um, He only shot 4 for 17 from the field. Almost all of his points came from free throws. It's like the efficiency issue in that game, I think, was one reason why we took that loss, um, and I mean, all around, there's just also like miserable shooting, but not great, not looking great at all, especially compared to what the uh, Heat put up, especially with uh, Bam Adebayo with 30 and Jimmy Butler with 24. I mean, they kind of just handled that well yeah. with those two guys. Yeah, Tyler Hero right there, too, with 22. I'll say the Heat's experience overtook our... our over our inexperience pretty much and our youth of the team. And also Heat, they was more aggressive with us. Like they was winning the battles and in the paint. It was they were just they just kept attacking us. And Jimmy Butler, I'll say besides Joel Embiid is every P candidate and is the best player in the Easter Conference. If there was a award for Easter Conference player of the year, I'll give it to I'll give it to Jimmy Butler. Honestly. I'm You're right behind and but other than that, this game uh, this shows why they're number one. They're the number one seed in the conference right now, and this shows why Cleveland needs to go back to the drawing board, spend extra time on it. And and right now they're sitting at six in the East, and what used to be they used to be third in the East a month ago. Now they're six. Yeah, the Cavs are definitely slipping, and I mean it was a terrible time for Jarrett Allen to go down. You know, as you said. Uh, Pat Bam Adebayo, 30 points, 17 rebounds. You certainly have to think if Jarrett Allen had a presence in the paint in that game, that stat line would not be the same. And we were just out-rebounded. We turned the ball over too many times, and it resulted in a 12-point loss in Miami to the number one seed in the East. 
And then we go on to face the Bulls last night in the back-to-back, and we also fall to them. It was a 10-point loss, 101-91. to Darius Garland, again, a great night for him. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Kevin Love had a double-double. Unfortunately, Lori Markinen was out of the game. And, of course, you know, it always happens to the Cavs. Alex Caruso made his return. I feel like just when players come back from injury, it's always against the Cavs. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. I mean, Clay Thompson did it against us. Now Alex Caruso. There's been more examples in the past. But sticking to this Bulls loss, any takeaways from it, gentlemen? Um, Just our three-point shooting that game was it was just bad. I mean, the... I don't want to sugarcoat it. It was just bad. I mean, we from the field, uh, we shot 41.9%. Uh, the Bulls shot 44.3%, so not too much of a difference. But then in the three-point percentage, the Bulls shot 42.9%, and we shot 20.8%. Not to yeah. mention that DeMar DeRozan, like you said, he was the leading scorer, but Vukovic also had 20, and no Jared Allen. <clears throat> Center's th- going off. 20 points and 14 rebounds. Vucevic getting so. out rebounded without Jared mm-hmm. Allen, and that hurts, but very much so. Yeah, this game in the past few games shows how much of a difference Jared Allen makes for a team because really, without him, we lose touch defensively. Like, teams are really scoring on us at ease, especially this Bulls team right here. And DeMar DeRozan look like that DeMar DeRozan have all dropped another 20 point game on us, and also, um, also, we need to be consistent with our offense pretty much. and like Pat said, terrible from the field, terrible from deep. But, yeah, and and the, like I said, the Cavs need to go back to the drawing board because if they keep this up and not being the teams that they should be being, actually supposed to be being, like they might mess around and miss a, miss a spot on the, to the dance. Yeah. So going back to what you said earlier, Marcus, you said that Jimmy Butler was the best player in the East, maybe behind Joel Embiid. Yes. You don't think DeMar DeRozan is better than Jimmy Butler? I mean, this feels like a resurrection for DeMar DeRozan, pretty much. <laughs> He's been incredible this year for us. Uh, I, I still say Jimmy Butler is a better overall player. He has been a better overall player defensively, scoring-wise, and better overall player. DeMar DeRozan is just the mid-range king, and his jump shot is so, so fluid. I mean, yeah, DeRozan, he's a, he's a scoring machine, but... I still like Jimmy Butler better, a better overall player. No, so he's I don't a better overall player. I don't know if I'd crown him the mid-range king. He is the mid-range king. I have one more. I have one player that I think is better at shooting mid-range shots. Because I'm, I'm very biased towards this player. Is Kawhi Leonard? Okay. Excuse me, the man you hasn't played seen? in a long time. Listen, he's hurt. It's also because I mean, played. I get it. I mean, he played injured in the playoffs. Because what's Paul George gonna do? I mean, he didn't I'm, play. I'm just saying, Paul George didn't play too bad. I mean, yeah, but Terrence Mann definitely carried a little bit. Oh, yeah, Terrence, uh, yeah. But. but no, DeMar DeRozan is the mid-range king. You no, know, the fadeaway, stop. everything. Who do you think has a better mid-range game, Marcus? Kawhi or DeMar? DeMar. Oh, I'm outnumbered. Oh. There you go. There <laughs> you go. If you were to take DeMar or Jimmy Butler on your team, Pat, who would it be? Oh, I'm going to take DeMar DeRozan if I'm being right. honest here. Man, I'm, I'm sticking with Jimmy Butler. My opinion <laughs> is in the majority on both cases, so... I am happy. Uh, but, yeah, that Bulls loss, you said it, Pat, 20.8% from beyond the arc. Um, I don't know what sounds worse in this case. You know, we talked about it with the women's Zips team, 20.8% or 5 from 24. I don't know which one sounds worse. 
But both, both are just bad. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, but neither one is very good at all. Uh, you definitely hate to see it, and we're now number six in the East, and the Raptors are right behind us, only one game behind us, so we're even in danger of going down to number seven. The upcoming week for the Cavs, though, it's another busy week, four games, but fortunately for us, they are all at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. They're all in Cleveland. Uh, we started off by playing the Clippers. Then we play the 76ers, which will probably be a tough matchup. And then we finish off the week by playing the Nuggets and the Pistons. How do you guys like the week, the upcoming week for the Cavs? And of the four games, what do you predict our record will be in the four games? Um, I think we're going to go 2-2 two and two this week. I mean, the Clippers, they're not going to put up too much of a fight. I don't think with missing, obviously, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George still. Um, you do have to watch uh, Zubac, though, because he will go off. He's been doing that uh, past couple games. He's been on fire. Um, yeah, the 76ers, I don't even want to think about what Joel Embiid is probably going to do to us with no Jared Allen. Um, the Nuggets is also like the same type of reasoning. They have... Jokic, and again, we have no Jared Allen. We have no center that can stop. Yeah. Uh, and then the Pistons, I think the Pistons. I don't have to say anything. They're just the Pistons. Will you do the Nuggets challenge against uh, Denver? Would you be down for that, Pat? Do you know what it is? No. That's why. So I'm, you pretty much like, eat one chicken there. nugget for every single uh, point that the Nuggets score from McDonald's. Jeez. <laughs> so. If they score 90 points, you have to eat 90 McDonald's uh, nuggets. I don't think I could do that. That just sounds, like, gross. <laughs> I don't think I, I mean, could do that. Shout out to Emily Lane. She did it last semester when we played the Nuggets, and that was the game where Jamal Murray went off on us. So oh. if she can do it, I think you can do it, Pat. All right, you know what? I want to see pictures. I want to see videos. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. All right. We'll see what we can do there. I'll, I'll say this is a <clears throat> this is a rough week, you say. And these are tough games with the exception of playing the Detroit Pistons, but you know our but you know how we are against the Pistons. We somehow can't beat them for some reason. Like arguably the worst team in the league. And also the Nuggets and Sixers, uh I don't know who's a better big man. I don't know which make big man I prefer to have between Jokic or M B, but other than that, they're going to have fun on us without the appearance of Jerry Allen and, our, and us losing our touch defensively. Sixers are my pick for the Eastern Conference Finals. But anyways, and with the Clippers, you know, they may not have Kawhi. They may not have Paul George. they still they still a great team. they still holding it together. And shout-outs to Tyron Lue, ex-Cavaliers coach. And he's actually doing a good job over there compared to other coaches who have actually have all their talents. He actually do a pretty good job with just with less. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I do have the Cavs going 1-3 and three this week. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're not playing too well right now. Um, honestly, just the Raptors and Pacers win. That was against good. That was It was a good matchup for us. They yeah. were bad teams and not a great center, um, especially with Jarrett Allen's injury. And then this week, you guys said it, 76ers and Nuggets have two of the best centers in the league. So that's going to be a tough matchup. So I do expect us to drop both of those. Um, but starting the week against the Clippers, I can see us picking up that win. And then against the Pistons, you know, 
I'm not going to pick the Cavs to win against the Pistons until I see it happen first. Yeah. Because just for whatever reason, when it comes to playing Detroit, Detroit just plays harder than us every single minute of the game, and we always just lose to Detroit Pistons, and I don't understand why, but it's just a trend for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'm going to say we're going to lose to the Pistons, lose to the 76ers, same thing goes for the Nuggets, and win against the Clippers. Unfortunately, that would put us on a three-game losing streak. So hopefully that's not the case by next Sunday's show. Um, but we, guys, we will keep you guys informed about that. Uh, good luck to the Cavs. Hopefully they don't fall even further in the Eastern Conference and they can pick up more that wins than just one or two this week in action. We're going to cut it to break, though, when we come back. We're going to be talking about more of the NBA, an update on the standings, and also everything going on with L.A. And then we'll also talk about the MLB. Baseball is back with many rule changes. We'll go over all that and more next. What's going on, everyone? We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. My name is Jacob Murin, and I'm the host of your show today. Joining me are my analysts, Pat Weber. Let's go, Cavs. And Marcus Anderson. Back at it. All right, we are back at it, and we're right back into more basketball talk with the NBA. Uh, Pat, I know you want to shout out somebody, so... The floor is yours. Yeah, big shout-out to Coach Greg Popovich. He, uh, one day ago, actually became the uh, winningest head coach in the NBA of all time. He now holds the number one spot with 1,336 wins. He passed Don Nelson. Congrats. Congrats, Coach. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And if I was a betting man, I would say that probably never gets broken again. Um, just because I would agree of with that. just because of how young uh, Popovich was when he started, I don't think there's any young coaches in the NBA right now that could have that much success for such a prolonged period of time to where they could beat that record. Um, any words for Greg Popovich, Marcus? His his winning record and all that. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that he's the greatest coach of all time because of Phil Jackson, because all the things Phil Jackson has done. I mean, six, I mean, nine championships in his bag, and also Greg Popovich, and the reason why the Spurs, the franchise itself, is not just a great, not just have the win, highest winning percentage in basketball, but the highest winning percentage out of all the other sports franchises. And that's a great organization. That's a great head coach. Shout-outs to Greg Popovich, arguably the greatest head coach of all time. I'll put it that way. Would you put him in your top three? Of course. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, congrats to Greg Popovich, but elsewhere in the NBA, I feel like the Lakers are always making headlines in one way or another, whether it's LeBron's success or Russell Westbrook's lack of success. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. So Russell Westbrook, we all know the drama. Just it has not worked in L.A. Players have come out. You know, Steph Curry actually showed his support for Westbrook. Uh, Patrick Beverly came out and said that he's damaging his career. Russ doesn't even feel comfortable bringing his own kids to the games because of hecklers calling him Westbrook. And 
among other things that we probably can't even say on the air. That's <laughs> brick. Just the. L- l- <laughs> Is that your first time hearing that, Marcus? Yes. Muscle Westbrook. Yes, that is one of the more popular uh, nicknames for Russell Westbrook. Not Brick, but LeBron James in the Lakers front office just seems fed up. What do you guys make of this whole situation going on with Westbrook and the Lakers? This was a wasted trade for them, honestly. I mean... And last season, they should have known better. They should have known better. I mean, see, seeing what he did with Washington and failing to make that project work, him and Bradley Bill, and then the year before the project with, put him with James Harden in Houston, that project failed. I mean, you should have seen from the beginning that Russell Westbrook um, was was a problem to deal with, a problem child. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what exactly is wrong with him. I would say probably his selfishness or some is just he's obviously a bad teammate i mean i would argue to say that the only reason and i get a lot of um hate for my opinion on this but i don't think russell westbrook was ever that great of a player the only reason that he got that spotlight where he averaged a triple double was because he was the only player that the thunder had to rely on Other i would agree that, with you he's just not he's not a great point guard and i think at the end of the day he's not even going to finish as a top 20 point guard of all time yes he averaged a triple double but it's also, he's so selfish. And when you pair him with other stars, he cannot make it work. If you want to be considered a great, you work with other players. You work with the other stars on your team. And with how, like, he's dragging this Lakers team down. Yeah. It's damaging his career and his reputation as a point guard. If it comes down to, like, trying to trade him, who's going to want him? It's just, just send him down to Detroit. Like, <laughs> it's like sending him down to limbo. Like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> It's hard to tell. I just think Westbrook is, he's an incredible individual player. I'll say that. But you put him with any teammate that is above average, and it all just spirals downward. And it spirals downward quickly. The only time it ever really worked was with Kevin Durant, but that's because Kevin Durant had the spotlight on that Thunders team. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why I think people say it worked, because it was only Kevin Durant. Yeah, mainly. It's a good take. I mean, we saw it in Houston. We saw it with the Wizards, and now it's probably more evident than ever in L.A. LeBron had a very interesting quote after a game. I'll read it off to you guys, and I'll get you guys' thoughts on it as well. So LeBron said, and I quote, It's been great. I mean, listen, the Laker faithful know when bad basketball is being played, and they know when good basketball is being played. They have the right to have any response they want. End quote. So this was him talking about some L.A. fans heckling Westbrook, calling him West Brick, all that and more, and him saying it's great. They know when bad basketball is being played, and they can respond how they want to. Now's almost exa- pretty much what he said. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Marcus, you're having a bit of a graphic reaction there. <laughs> <laughs> you know him. I'm so... <laughs> <laughs> Marcus has got to collect himself over here. Um, um, at, go ahead. <laughs> I think um, he's right. I mean, if they're going to respond how they're going to respond, it doesn't really matter where you go. Westbrook's damaging this team. He's damaging this uh, program. That won a ring, which, by the way, is still a Mickey Mouse ring, does not count. And I that's mean, not because I'm mad that the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets or anything. I mean, it's I LeBron James. I 
We've, everything he does doesn't have an asterisk by it. I know, but he's earned everything. We've we've you talked also about like we, LeBron James. Yeah, I know. We've so. talked a little bit about that, but no, he's absolutely right. I mean, bad basketball is definitely being played by the Lakers. I mean, honestly, just bad basketball being played in LA in general because both the Lakers and the Clippers are struggling. Yeah. Um. Maybe it's when they changed the arena name to Crypto.com yeah, Arena instead of the Staples Center. Like, yeah. Maybe that's what. Uh, just bad voodoo. It's just you know, it's dragging LA down. Yeah. Honestly, so uh, I, I mean, Marcus, you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I mean, that's that is so true. But I can't believe, like, I never heard LeBron. He really put Westbrook on blast for that. Like, <laughs> he really put him on blast. Yeah. And that is so true. And I that reminds me of another video. And with with Shaq, I wonder, like, and you know how Shaq is uh, criticizing players today. You know how Shaq is. And then he was a, he was sitting front court at a Lakers game one time, and then what had a chance to talk to Russell Westbrook. He was like, "Hey, you move it too effing fast." Like, when you have Shaq telling you that, that you re, you that, really got to slow down. Something. That I should mean, tell you something. When you got Shaq telling you to slow down and that you going too fast, and <laughs> you, that, that's coming from the diesel. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just surprised me because you know LeBron James to me has always been a great teammate. Even though he likes to be, you know, LeBron GM and manage the entire team and all that, I, I, I think the teammates that he's ha- had in the past, he's been pretty, pretty cool with. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, like, no holds barred, blasting him himself. Yeah, which, which is weird to think about because going into this, he was praising Westbrook and he was like, I'm so excited to have him as a teammate yeah. on this team. And now all of a sudden, it's kind of like a brush him off to the side. I mean, I don't blame him. At all, because Westbrook is just terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the Lakers have had a tough time as of late, but LeBron James has not. He had two 50-point games this week. Um, I didn't fact check it, but I saw on social media from a verified sports account that this was the first time in LeBron James' career that he had scored 50 or more points in the regular season two times. So I, I don't believe that because the greatest player of all time, I think, would have done that more. But second greatest player yeah, of second. all time. You know, I'm I'm gonna sit on my pedestal and say he's the best. But Michael, Michael Jordan, then LeBron. And my response to that is I'm still gonna sit on my pedestal and say that LeBron James is the is the best. But I mean, honestly, your guys' takes are probably better on that one because I've never seen MJ play. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, but anyways, speaking of LeBron James, he is our topic for Around the Rue this week, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. Uh, the question for this week, so usually right about now is where I give out the results of last week's poll. But because last week's poll is so tied up with what the Browns just did yesterday, we're going to save that for later. And we're just going to give out the question right now. So this week's question is simply, where does LeBron James finish his NBA career? We're going to give you guys three options, whether that be the Los Angeles Lakers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, or just other, whether he's on any other team in the NBA. Uh, You know, Stephen A. Smith thinks this is his last year for whatever reason. Um but honestly, it could be anywhere. What do you guys think about this? I think anywhere because he did say he wants to play with Bronny 
So I think wherever Bronny goes is where LeBron finishes his career. Okay. Because he um, did say his last season will probably be with his son. So you would vote other? I would definitely vote other. Also, just like, he's definitely going to leave L.A. at some point. Unless, like, Bronny goes to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, other than that, I could see him leaving. I mean... If I forced you to, like, write in the comments and say what team Ooh. for an other... Hold on, give me a second. Get? I, gotta, I gotta go through the low-tier teams. The low-tier, yeah. yeah really, Can you imagine really being, like, the Rockets or something? Can you imagine LeBron in a Rockets uniform? Or, like, on the Magic? <laughs> Kevin um, Porter Jr. would probably throw another fit in the locker room about that. I'm looking... Um, There's some really tough teams out there, so... Yeah, it's tough well, as I'm in, like, like bad... Yeah. Honestly, I think if Bronny like goes to the league, he's drafted, I could see him going to somewhere like the like the Spurs picking him up or like the Knicks because the Knicks still try to get their name out there and stay see. relevant. I could I would say either the Knicks or the Spurs. Okay. I don't hate the Knicks pick. Uh, Marcus, I'll give it to you. L.A., Cleveland, or other for LeBron James to finish his career. I mean, I'll say other. And that team would be the Phoenix Suns, just so he could play with his best friend, Chris Paul. Really? I, yeah. And I know he said that wherever Bronny plays, uh, I'll play. But I remember years ago when he first got, when he first went to the Lakers, said that I'm I'm ending my career here at L.A. I remember that. So it's just anything with LeBron, it's unpredictable. He's so unpredictable. I'll okay. say, I'll say Phoenix played with his boy, Chris. I agree that he's unpredictable, but I do think he's very genuine about playing with Bronny because right now I don't think he has anything else to prove. Oh, yeah, though. And I think the only reason he's still playing is to get that opportunity to play with his son in the NBA. Um, I don't think there's any anything else that's really driving him at this point of his career other than just proving people wrong, as he's always done. So L.A., Cleveland, or other, I think Cleveland is probably the longest shot here just because I think we'd be pretty far off of the Bronny sweepstakes. Yeah, and so, I mean, realistically, if he did end his career here, it would be like with what Tom Brady's doing, where he's signing a one-day contract with the Patriots to say right. he retired as... And the thing is, I think it, he could go to any team because I think LeBron James would take a penny to play with his son on any team. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's not like that's even a concern, whether a team can afford him or not. Yeah. Because, you know, LeBron James, the biggest superstar, you're going to have to put down... Um, the money that you have to. Honestly, I'm just going to go with L.A. here. Um, I'm going to play it safe. Other, I could certainly see him just playing for whatever random team just so he gets to play with his son. But with L.A. right now, I mean, you could definitely see that L.A. might be in the sweepstakes to get Bronny. So I just think matching him up in L.A. makes a lot of sense. So I'll go Bronny and LeBron James in L.A. to finish his um, his legendary basketball career uh let us know what you guys think though on our twitter at wzip sports um let us know if it's la cleveland or other if it is other let us know in the comments what team you see lebron james wearing a uniform for next so just rounding up the nba conversations here gentlemen the big game in the eastern conference between the nets and 76ers went down this week and the nets blew out the 76ers 129 (laughs) to 100. James Harden had a terrible night shooting the ball. KD, Kyrie, and Seth Curry all had great night shooting. Any takeaways from the Nets and 76ers game? Yeah, James Harden. Um, Maybe when you shoot that bad, don't go out partying. I saw that all over yeah, social media. That, 
Really? Like, I, I, I have get, two takes I get, on that. I get, I get that you did move up in the three-pointers made. I get that, but, like, come on. You just got blown out. Yeah. I have two takes Nets. on this. So, one, like, I why celebrate when you played so bad? Yeah. I, I kind of understand, though, if it was, like, pre-scheduled, like, oh, this night I'm going to be yeah, here. No. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. The biggest problem I have is, like, why is this news? Like, why are we posting James Harden celebrating out of party. I mean, that is true. He does that. Like, why am I all getting the time. a Bleacher Report notification on my phone that Le- that James Harden is celebrating with a rapper I mean, after his loss to the I Nets? I mean, Bleacher Report just reports on. I mean, it's, it's not the first. It's not the first time he did this. I mean, he did this after a playoff game when he was still in Houston. When when the, at one time the Spurs kicked him out, he did it. He did it after a playoff game. His worst performance in the playoffs that he was at the club and actually right after they got blown out. <laughs> In the elimination game, he did this before. Was this when Westbrook was on the team? Oh no, nah, no, nah. it was <laughs> it was his MVP season, I believe. Okay. It was MVP season, and Kawhi was still with the Spurs and that elimination I, game. I do remember that because that was all over like right. ESPN, social media it was everywhere that right. he, you just got blown. You, you lost <laughs> in a playoff game, and yet you're out partying and celebrating like it was the second something. round. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wrapping it up, though, like, Nets, 76ers, I feel like we could see this matchup in the playoffs. So is this one game, the Nets dominating win, a preview of what is to come in the playoffs? I I think so, just because also, like, James Harden's performance in the playoffs um, is kind of, like, tricky. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a Paul George type thing where he's a fantastic regular season player. But then when you get to the playoffs, they just struggle for some reason. Like, it's a mental block. And, uh, I mean, you're going up against Kevin Durant. Like, no. <laughs> you're going up against arguably the most efficient scorer the NBA has ever seen. Okay. Yeah. Marcus? I mean, I would say this is a preview because, once again, this is an inconsistent Nets team. This was the same Nets team that I saw beat the Bucks in convincing fashion 126 to 123 weeks ago and then the same team I saw where Jason Tatum just shredded at him for like 56 points. Yeah, 56. Dropped, I think 50. Yeah, I think it was 50. Yeah, the same team that Jason Tatum like just shredded him up at the Boston Garden like two like two days like a week ago, a Sunday ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, with the Sixers, I would say I was they still my pick for the Easter Conference Finals. I don't care what nobody say. I mean, and James Harden to make it or to win it, to make it. Okay, yeah, to make it. That's fair. And James Harden and Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a coach that James Harden never had before, never played for, played for before. And Doc Rivers, he knows how he handles players like James Harden and Joel Embiid, players up to their part, up to that superstar caliber level. So he knows how to handle this. Okay. Yeah, I could see this happen, this matchup exactly in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I do think this is a preview of what's to come. James Harden can be inconsistent at times, and I just think the Nets have a lot of star power as well. So I do like the Nets over the 76ers in a playoff series. But moving on from basketball, you know, just so much great news this week. Akron beating Kent State. What a game that was. And we get baseball back in action Let's coming go. very soon yes, the sir. MLB and MLB Players Association agreed to a new CBA and baseball is back I am very very excited about this I might be the biggest baseball fan here at WZIP Sports 
Um, we can debate that, but he really cares. <laughs> um, to you guys, though, how do you guys feel about the MLB back in action? I am so happy that it, baseball is back. It oh, it was looking rough for a while there. It was like, are we really going to get baseball this year? And finally, I mean, we were covering uh, the MAC tournament that day, and we even mentioned we walked in to that tournament with no baseball and left with, with baseball. baseball. It's incredible. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm so yeah. happy they finally reached an agreement. They have the S up on the sign for the Guardians. You know, I saw in the news like Guardian sign is up, and then I was there last night and it was only the S on the scoreboard. <laughs> it wasn't the whole thing. You know, I I should have been smart enough to know like that whole Indian sign that was there before probably wasn't a couple different pieces because of how big and heavy it was. Yeah. Um, so that's on me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the sign is in many, many different pieces, everyone. It just the S is up right now. But, um, Marcus, any takes on just MLB being, MLB being back? Oh, this is just great news. I hear that. And also, um, I got a feeling this, is, this, this season is going to have no interruptions. And with COVID, with COVID easing down and the max mandate being, being released, and I mean, I got a feeling this is a great season underway, and with superstars back in effect, and waiting on situations with Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, Carlos Rodon going to the White Sox. I got a feeling this is a great season. Mets, Mets make another great signing, and Chris Bassett, go Mets, Akron, alum. <laughs> shout out Chris Bassett, shout out Chris, Chris. Bassett, go yes, Mets, and also this is a great season. So you're not an MLB widow. <laughs> Anyways, this is a great season. In effect, this is America's pastime once again. I'm I'm still an Ace fan. I'm still an Ace fan. Okay, you're still I'm an still Ace fan. fan. You're I'm still an Ace fan. I'm still an Ace fan. I'm just saying the Mets are so far my title my title favorite. My title favorite. Okay. My title pick. I'm just saying that I'm still an Ace fan. I'm still with Oakland, but they're just my title pick. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Okay, fair enough. The MLB is set to play a full 162-game season, though, so you love to see that. Uh, Guardians open the season on April 7th at Kansas City, and they open at home on the 15th against San Francisco. I'm just going to throw out some names here. Some MLB-free agents as of right now. We have Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Trevor Story, Nick Castellanos, Anthony Rizzo, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, Nelson Cruz, and a whole lot more. Um, out of those names that I just mentioned, or maybe even another free agent that you guys have on your mind, which one do you think is like the best free agent and that team should go after the most? I think for the Guardians, at least I talked about this when I was up here um, DJing for one of my breaks. I want us to go after Nick Castellanos. Oh, I would, I would be so happy. Like... I mean, he brings that batting that we so desperately need. And he's still he's a phenomenal player. And I, I want Castellanos. But that, that'll be up, like, if he leaves the Reds, like if the Reds want to resign him. Mm-hmm. But that'll also be kind of like a in-your-face to the Reds because we just stole your best player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm so happy because baseball's back. And then, like, free agency starts because the lockout ends. And then I get reminded of, like, why I hate. MLB free agency in the trade deadline. It's because, you know, without a salary floor or cap or whatever, you know, teams that are willing to play their players are going to sign talent and teams that aren't just are not going to. 
So Guardians have had no talks. There's been no updates on the Guardians going after any of these guys. Whereas, like, Freddie Freeman is expected to sign a deal with the Dodgers almost any day now just to make the Dodgers even more talented. So, you know, that's... You don't love to see that, especially as a Guardians fan and, you know, some lower market teams out there in the MLB. I'm sure they're not having fun there either. I'd like to see Chris Bryant team up with uh, Bryce Harper in Philly, though. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, So... Not only is the MLB back, but it's also back with many rule changes. So I want to get you guys' takes on these, or at least like the best one and the worst one. So first off, we have a universal DH. Um, For me, it's about time to get that universal DH. Pitchers should not be hitting in the NL, although it is pretty fun and exciting to see like a pitcher hit a home run every once in a while. I know there was that Braves pitcher, I believe, last, uh, last season who hit a grand slam. And he got the win because he scored the runs with the Grand Slam, so that was pretty cool. So, like, with that, I do have a question. How's it yeah. going to work for, like, dual-threat players like Shohei Otani? Um, Are they just, like, not going to... So, like, Shohei Otani is a very special case. I don't think he would hit and pitch in the same game, although okay. he, he could, I guess. I mean, I was just thinking because he is, like, the face of the league uh, right yeah, now. He would just be the DH. Or, okay. Yeah, he well, was, I'm saying like when like when he was pitching because people do show up to like watch him bat because he is one of the most explosive players that we've seen so far in the league. Yeah, and now that there's a universal DH, it's like, well, then what would? So happen? my best guess, so like on the roster, there wouldn't be a DH. It would just have a P next to it for pitcher for Shohei Otani to okay. to bat. And now instead of that, it would just say DH next to his name because he would be the designated hitter. Okay, that's what I feel like would happen. So he would still be able to do both in the same game. Um, that's like a one person and very unique case in the MLB. Um, also, the postseason was expanded to twelve teams. So now two teams get a buy. The one game wild card games are a thing of the past. They are gone and they are replaced by three game series to start the MLB postseason, so that's pretty interesting there. Um, There's also an addition of a draft lottery to make sure teams don't tank, and uh, no man on second base to start extra innings. I'm not a big fan of that one, but that's just me. Um, And then for the 2023 season, not coming this year, but for 2023, pitch clocks will be used. There will be a ban on defensive shifts and an automatic ball strike zone will exist, and larger bases will be a thing as well. So a lot more changes coming in 2023. But as far as the 2022 changes are concerned, what do you guys think? Favorite, least favorite, any concerns? I kind of like that they're going to get rid of the uh, the shift. You I, like it? I like it because, like, there's so, like, you can't really control, like, if you, like, obviously, like, it's like, yes, it's defense, it's part of the game. But at the end of the day, like, some people, they're just, they hit the same area. I think it's going to up scoring again. And batting averages. Exactly. And ERAs are going to go up. And it's going to gonna have a to huge effect. Yeah. I think it's not good for pitchers and for players who just want to play old-fashioned baseball. But I think it is very, very good for viewers. It is because a lot of people, like baseball, to a lot of people, is a very boring game because it's very slow. It's low scoring. Mm-hmm. But then getting rid of the shit that's going to up the scoring, it's going to make games more exciting. It's going to be more at stake then. Yeah. And it's going to draw more fans out. They're going to start coming back. And and, and honestly, like with it. the MLB right now, like it's just a home run game, it almost feels like. I get way more interested when like you have an eight-run inning and it's just all singles, doubles, and it's just hit after hit after hit 
with lots of base runners and you're just scoring time and time again rather than, you know, hitting four home runs in a game and winning four to two or something. Yeah. I'd rather score maybe even, like, less runs but have more base runners because that's what interests me. Also, with larger bases coming, those close calls are going to be more in favor of the runner and even stealing bases are going to be easier for some players. So a lot of interesting things there. Personally, I like the Universal DH. I think the postseason being expanded is kind of cool too. Um, good on them for getting rid of tanking by adding a draft lottery. I liked the se- the person on second base in extra innings just because it made it more exciting and uh, just made the game shorter. So I will miss that, but I do like everything else. Anything to add to this, Marcus, before we head to break? I would say my least favorite is uh, making a larger basis. And really? Which, yeah. I mean, that that just makes it even more harder for the hitters and for the basemen. I mean, it makes things even harder. My most favorite would be either, it goes either between uh, expanded postseason and uh, a possible lottery lottery draft. Okay. I mean, it's making, this, making it just like the NBA and why the NBA is such a great league now these days and also... Make the make things more interesting in the postseason for baseball. I mean, and seeing um, the first round with the Yankees and Red Sox, it was disappointed just to see the Red Sox kick out the Yankees just like that. And it was probably the most one of the most disappointing games I've ever seen. Word spoken from an MLB widow. <laughs> seeing the Yankees <laughs> lose is usually a good thing. No, you're a Mets fan. I mean, it not. It just you're uh, it was for the Mets, and you're sad that oh the Yankees I mean, lost. This, this is arguably the greatest sports rivalry ever, and people was looking forward to see this go the way it go down, and for it to go down like that. I mean, right. disappointing fashion. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, that will do it. I'm very excited for baseball to come back, and it's re- going to be coming up very soon, April 7th, less than a month away uh, before our teams hit the diamond. Can't wait for that. When we come back, we're going to talk about all the crazy trades and signings that went on in the NFL this week, including one made by our very own Cleveland Browns. So stay tuned for that. Hello, everyone. We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jacob Murrin, and I'm the host of today's show. Joining me is Pat Weber. Go Steelers. No. That's right. That's right. No. That's right. And Marcus Anderson. <laughs> back on the mound. All right. Let's get right into the NFL. Lots of stuff going on. This week, especially on Tuesday, I believe, just everything was breaking news on that day. And we'll kick it off with maybe the biggest trade, maybe, of our lives in the NFL. Potentially, Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos. I'll break it down real quick, and I'll get you guys' thoughts. So, Denver received Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth-round pick from Seattle. And Denver sent Seattle Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, a 2022 first-round pick, 2023 first-round pick, 2022 second-round pick, 2022 fifth-round pick, and a 2023 second-round pick. So three players and a lot of draft picks in return for Russell Wilson in a 2022 fourth-round pick. Uh, Break it down for me, guys. What are your thoughts? I don't think it's a bad trade. Um, The only thing that I would have tried to keep if I was the Broncos is Noah Fant because he's a... He's got a lot of potential. He's a really good young tight end. 
Um, I do like this for the Broncos, though, because they were always that kind of like one quarterback away. Like they have probably one of the best receiving cores in the league. Um, but they never had a quarterback. They had Drew Locke. What's Drew Locke going to do? I really like this for uh, the Broncos, and I think it could actually push them up to being in talks for uh, going to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, and like, like Pat said, uh, too bad they couldn't keep, too bad they get, they didn't keep no offense. I mean, it would keep their, it would have kept their pass intact way more intact. Now, Russell Wilson, he just left with, um, Corvette's son, um, Jerry Judy. And yeah, Jerry team. Judy. And also, uh, KJ Hamler, which I see, uh, KJ Hamler, and they're great receivers. Also, um, Patrick, um, Patrick who? Sertan. He's on the defense, though. Oh, no, I know it's like Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick, okay. Tim Patrick, Tim Patrick. Also, I see K.J. Hamler. He could be his Tyler Lockett and also Nathaniel Hackett. And Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, they're going to make a great quarterback and coaching duel. Yeah. I see it. I can see it happen, too. That offense is definitely dangerous now. And, you know, I don't love what Denver had to give up, but they're definitely in win-now mode and, you know, they're definitely elevated into that Super Bowl conversation right now. So it's going to be interesting to see, and I can't even imagine what Russell Wilson looks like in a bright orange uniform. The two just don't mix for me, but yeah. we'll see how it plays out. Honestly, um, I still don't know who's winning the AFC West. It's really what a division. West. They just boosted. It used to right. be the AFC North that was always the talk of the NFL. Right. Not anymore. Now, Khalil no. Mack being the Charger, teaming up with Joey Bosa, like, oh, my goodness. That's, yeah, that, that, might be the greatest, that might be the greatest um, like, rush duo of like of our like of yeah. all time. But at the end of the day, that's insane. Yeah. And they did fleece the trade as well. I mean, the Bears received a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. Hey, the for, Bears. The Bears are the Bears. Yeah, I mean, not Bears. They gave, up, <laughs> they gave up those two picks and got six-time Pro Bowler Khalil Mack to pair him along with Joey Boza. At that point, you might as well give him a bag of chips for like Justin Fields or somebody, right? I mean, I mean, I mean apparently they just want to trade anybody away for anything. Yeah, that's going to be one scary <laughs> division with Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. We'll see how it goes, but it's hey, definitely don't, exciting. Don't forget Derek Carr now. Hey, his name does not belong with those three men. <laughs> I mean, sure, he might win at one or two of those games like he just hey, seems man, to do. Hey, man, put some respect on Derek Carr's name, man. I'm not disrespecting him. I'm just saying he's not at the level of Pat Mahomes, <laughs> okay, he's Justin not Herbert, at level. and he's Russell not. Wilson. I'm not disrespecting him. I'm just saying that. So Here's a better one for the Raiders. Marcus Mariota. There you go. Yeah, you, the, you guy want, the guy I want. The guy I want. I mean... Anyways, uh, with Russell Wilson, a team that was trying to get in on the sweepstakes for him was the Washington Commanders. They offered three first-round picks for uh, Russell Wilson, and they didn't take it. Instead, they went with the Denver deal. Kind of surprised by that, but I guess Seattle was more intrigued by the players they were getting in return. Yeah. Oh, it was a a report, guys, because... See how GM like I I would accept their trade if they wasn't in NFC. I mean, which was ideal for them. I get it. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't want to trade a quarterback like Russell Wilson to a team that shares the same conference with you. My thing is like, if you're trading away Russell Wilson, are you really trying to compete? It's like, what's the point? Like, you're trading him to an NFC team, then you're not trying to compete. So, I don't. Know. I get what you're saying. It could just I do, be like a but... don't give your own opponent the advantage yeah. type of thing. Because the 
Listen, guess, the, command, the commanders do have some pretty good receivers, but it's like... The Seahawks are in, like, rebuild mode now. Which is weird to think about, because... It is, but I, it, they're giving well, and up Plus, Russell they released Wilson. Bobby Wagner, which made no sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I disrespect that a little bit, I'll too, no telling Yeah, I mean, it, it's wild. Um, instead, the Washington Commanders picked up Carson Wentz <laughs> from the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz is back in the NFC East or the NFC Least. Um, Washington received Carson Wentz and a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, Indy received a 2022 third-round pick, 2023 third-round pick. That might become a second-round pick, depending on if Wentz plays 70% of the snaps next season and a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, Carson Wentz to the Commanders. What are you guys' thoughts? I mean, I I don't know how to feel about uh, it because it's, Car- it's Carson Wentz. Like, I, I that's all I have to say. He's not a great quarterback. I mean, he's better than what the Commanders had, though, so... I mean, I, I, I could see this working out, and just because what he's going to be, who he's going to be throwing to, uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, and also Curtis Samuel, and also who he shares the back group, backfield with, uh, Antoine Gibson, who just had his first 1,000-yard season in his second year, and he's he's pretty, much playing for, he's pretty much playing for a decent supporting cast for him, and plus with Chase Young coming back, I could see this working out, and... This defense with decent quarterback play, decent quarterback play, and Carson Wentz is decent enough quarterback to keep them intact. So I can see this defense being the best in the league, arguably. And yeah. it's still the best front four in the league, I'll still say. Yeah, I honestly kind of view what you just said about that defense and having decent quarterback plays like the Steelers have been the past couple of years where Big Ben has been like all right. Like he's been all right enough to make it that we do score a couple times, but our defense is what has carried the yeah. entire time. So I do kind of view it going into that, but I think it could actually work better for the commanders than it did for us. Yeah. So the the Colts were reportedly frustrated with Wentz um, via the athletic, quote, lack of leadership, resistance to hard coaching, and reckless style of play led to the departure. So yeah. and what really hurt me, what, re, what was really hurting is that Frank Wright was the guy who, who begged Jim, Jim Ursay to get him there. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the season when they missed the playoffs, he apologized though. It's not even like it was a bad season though. <laughs> like he really apologized. No, they did well, but it was only because of Jonathan Taylor. Like right. I mean, Carson Wentz did nothing. It was I just guess. Jonathan Taylor. If they beat the Jaguars, this would be a different conversation because they're in the playoffs. And then you know, by the way, shout out Trevor knows. Lawrence for that game. Yeah, was, no, actually not. <laughs> I get where We're you're so going with yeah. that. See, Frank Wright apologized to the GM Jim Ursay. I mean, the same guy who begged him. To get Carson Wentz there, and he apologized to them to end the season. That's yeah. got hurt for Carson Wentz. It's a rough conversation. That's got yeah. hurt. <laughs> um, some other groundbreaking news this week in the NFL: the Aaron Rodgers drama is officially over. Thank goodness, because I'm kind of sick of talking about it. But Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Uh, reportedly, four-year, two hundred million dollar uh, million dollar extension. I'm not still sure if that exact deal is what took place or not but regardless Rodgers back in Green Bay I kind of saw this coming all this drama was for nothing I was kind of over it what are you guys thoughts pain pain you guys pain. were the pain. Steelers no, were not getting I, 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 pain. I want yeah I felt your pain too but I wanted to come to Cleveland so bad I wanted him to come to Pittsburgh but no that would be 200 million dollars he is not worth 200 million dollars I am sorry that is no. Okay. Just I don't know no. what I don't know yeah. what you smoked before you came up here. 
listen, I don't like. He's old. Like, yes, he won the MVP, but if you're if you you just went over, you spent like a quarter of what you had on just him. Yeah. Where's the rest of the money gonna come to sign better people to build a receiving core around him, which he wants? They did franchise tag Devontae Adams. Yeah, but then they're second best to like Alan Lazard. Um, it's like he wouldn't even be on the team. Do you guys think so? I I think I mentioned it on the show before. Like the biggest thing with Aaron Rodgers, I like him as a person, and I didn't want him to regret his decision, whether that was moving or staying. At the end of his career, I just didn't want him to look back and regret his decision. Do you think he will, by the end of his career, regret this decision to stay in Green yes, Bay? Yes, yes. Yeah, he probably. I will. know why he's staying because he wants to win a ring with them again, but that's not going to happen. I mean, you lost to the Forty ers on, and it was you lost to the Forty ers special teams. Yeah, like, I uh, I agree with both of you. I just think the NFC is very tough right now. Um, sure, they're they're going to be in Super Bowl conversations just because he's there, but it's going to take a lot to get it done. So. I think he might he might regret it, but I mean, he's going to be making a lot of money doing it. So can't complain there. Um, the wide receiver free agency, though, that was kind of getting scary for a minute for the Browns because Mike Williams got re-signed by the Chargers, three-year, $60 million extension um, in L.A. And then Chris Godwin also got franchise tagged by the Buccaneers. So a lot of wide receivers off the market and... You know, that does bring me to around the room. Last week, we asked what uh, wide receiver the Browns should target in free agency. The options were Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, and Amari Cooper. You guys voted Amari Cooper, and I guess, you know, Andrew Barry was looking at our, our Twitter feed, seeing what the fans wanted, because yesterday the Browns did finalize a trade for Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper and a sixth-round pick, and all the Browns gave up was a 2022 fifth and sixth round pick. Um, I'm pretty happy about this just because of what we gave up. We didn't really give up much. If it doesn't work out, it's not like it was a big deal um, because I can see it not working out, but I can also see it being very beneficial. So regardless, I'm pretty happy. What are you guys' thoughts on this? How stupid can the Cowboys be? That's the only thing I say. I know I have an idea of why they did do this, but they're pretty stupid still. That's all I have to say. Just... You, you could have got so much more, but you get a fifth and sixth round pick. That's like when the Steelers sent Antonio Brown to the Raiders for a third and fifth round pick. Yeah. They essentially just traded six round picks, too, because yeah. we got a six round pick for with Cooper. It made it made no sense to me. It's like, yeah, Amari Cooper's like, he's still really, really good. Like, yes, he's getting up there in age, but he's still a really good player. You can get more than just a fifth and sixth round mm-hmm. pick. Seven seasons in the NFL after being drafted by the Raiders. Known as one of the best route runners in the game as oh, yeah, well. Definitely. I mean, Amari Cooper, I mean... I think the things that probably like lowered his value was uh, his low production season last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't even reach 700 yards of receiving, and also him unabling to finish games and play the full a full 16 season, or in this case, a full 17 game season. That's probably what lowered his value a bit. So that's why they just gave away. They, the Browns should settle for a fifth and sixth rounder for Amari Cooper. I'm, you, I will say that with this, though, it is going to be a test to see if it's actually Baker Mayfield that is the problem, though. I, I have a feeling this is probably one of the reasons why they brought in Amari Cooper. Because if the Browns, or should I say Baker Mayfield, still fail with Amari Cooper now in the mix, then it comes out that maybe Odell yeah. wasn't the problem. Yeah. Okay. That's, I think, um, what's going on with that. Marcus, do you think that Baker and Amari Cooper is a good fit? They will work together. 
I don't think Baker is a good fit for anybody. I don't. I don't know what is what is about Baker that I do not like about him, but I don't like him. It's just that, and also the Browns also talk about um to um shipping shipping um Jarvis Landry somewhere else and try to make their offense more explosive. They did allow Jarvis to seek a trade. Oh yeah. So I get it. I guess they try to make their offense more explosive by getting Amari Cooper a much better route runner and more explosive route running. And also talks of them drafting Garrett Wilson or either uh, Drake London. And also, um, but Baker, Baker, Amari, if he could work out with Odell, I don't see him working out with Amari. I mean, such an inaccurate passer, such an undisciplined passer, such an undisciplined signal caller. His decision-making is honestly horrible and he freezes the minute he like he rolls out a lot like the minute he mm-hmm. can't get out of the pocket he freezes and he does not know what to do he looks like a deer in headlights yeah, when that happens and, and that just doesn't work in the nfl at all so i'm not gonna get into the baker debate because we have a lot of other things to talk about um but personally i do think it can work and i think that's why the browns went out to do this trade is because they want to see if it can and see exactly what the future looks like with baker mayfield uh, at quarterback, I you know the whole Odell drama that is a whole another case. You can't really compare the two. So saying that oh if he can't do it with Odell, he's not going to be able to do it with Amari. Uh, I think it can work out. And if we draft a wide receiver, you know I'm looking at a guy like Jamison Williams out of Alabama as well. You know getting that Alabama wide receiver core that'd be pretty interesting to see. I'm a fan of that. Um, like we said, Jarvis Landry, he's probably going to be shipping out here soon. That's really unfortunate to see because of what he did for the Cleveland Browns and most importantly what he did to our culture, completely flipped it. Um, I'll be forever grateful for Jarvis Landry for that. Um, bless him all day, every day. Uh, David Njoku also got franchise tagged, so you love to see that at the tight end position. Uh, we also tendered Dearness Johnson, so this allows the Browns to match any offers that he gets from other teams. So that's another thing to look out for. Um, But in terms of the NFL drafts, I have many scenarios at play here, depending on whether or not we keep Jarvis Landry, we get rid of Jarvis Landry, or we keep uh, Jadavion Clowney, or we get rid of Jadavion Clowney. So those two things are my biggest factors with what we do in the draft. Is it more clear cut for you guys for the Browns? Just draft wide receiver, end of day, that's it. Or is there more to play than just go wide receiver at number 13? It would it would have to... Honestly, you'd have to wait and see what you can get for Jarvis Landry first because you could do like a receiver for a receiver right. trade. Um, or if you could land another like free agent, that would be fine. But if I was the Browns, I would trade Jarvis and the first-round pick to move up and the draft even more and get the best available defensive lineman because that's the only thing the Browns have really struggled with is not having a solid defensive tackle. And the minute they get a good defensive tackle... I think that could seal it. Yeah. Yeah, I would would say the same thing, but with Landry, I would think about what I could get for him, and you forget about getting the first-round pick. I mean, Landry is a good receiver, but not that much much to where he's worth a first-rounder. I mean, he's worth at least uh, a second-rounder at best, and no less than a third-rounder. I would say that. I would would agree, yeah. Um, So my biggest thing here, so I have, like, three, maybe four or five scenarios written down here. So I'll run through them, I guess. But so if we keep Jarvis Landry, which I want to keep Jarvis Landry because I think him and Amari Cooper could work really well because their talents are completely separate. 
you know, Amari Cooper can be a deep threat. He specializes in route running, whereas, you know, Jarvis Landry, he, he can be explosive with his speed. His blocking is really good as well. He's more of that short uh, short route runner as well. So I like how that tandem would work at wide receiver one and two. So I would, my ideal scenario, I would say, is we keep Jarvis Landry and we keep Jadavon Clowney somehow working the money around that around that to keep both of them. And then we target Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia with that number 13 pick. Our wide receiver room would be set up with Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. And then it goes to our defensive line, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, then adding Jordan Davis. I think that's best-case scenario all around. Um, if we don't keep Jarvis, then I say we go for a wide receiver. You know, you have your OSU wide receivers on the board, uh, but I do think the wide receiver class um, in the draft this year is very deep. So even then, we could still take Jordan Davis or another defensive lineman at number 13 and then wait on a wide receiver and take them either in the second round or trading up to get the wide receiver that we want. So I could see that happening as well. Um, but if we don't keep Jarvis Landry and we don't keep Clowney, I will say just go for a wide receiver, play it safe. Um, I've seen reports that we might not keep Clowney, but now that we are getting rid of Jarvis, that might clear up some space. But who knows, you know, Jarvis could very well stay, which is what I'm hoping for. And same with Clowney. And we can target Jordan Davis. So that's my ideal NFL draft. Um, But that's not all that's going on with the Cleveland Browns as of late. Among the Amari Cooper reports, I actually just got a notification about an hour ago from Bleacher Report saying that Cleveland is keeping tabs on the QB market and they're poking around and discussing potential upgrades despite publicly committing to Baker Mayfield. I've seen it all over Twitter from Browns insiders that one of the heavy considerations for the Cleveland Browns is Deshaun Watson. Um, Before we get much (laughs) into it, I want to hear from you guys. What are your thoughts on a potential move for Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm seeing if they were to do this, it's a definite uh, swap trade, like send Baker to Houston, and then bam, Deshaun Watson is here in Cleveland. You think that would have, all it would take would be Baker? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it would probably have to be more. Oh, yeah, definitely more than that. I mean, I'm expecting like three first-rounders as well. It's too much. I Too much. Would, <laughs> I would... So, first off, I want to preface this by saying I don't want this to happen. But, like, if it were to, this is what I would do, I guess. It'd probably be Baker Mayfield because you would have to just throw him in there. And then you you could throw Jarvis Landry in that trade as well. And then um, maybe even throw Kareem Hunt in there. Because if we do sign Dearness Johnson, we still have that one-two punch. And we can get rid of Kareem Hunt, which takes up some salary as well. And maybe, like, an Austin Hooper or something. Oh, yeah, I do want to get rid of Austin Hooper. It's like getting rid of some of the weak points in our offense to pick up a strong point. That's what I would more so target than just getting rid of our entire draft capital for seasons to come. That would frustrate me a lot, and I think Andrew Barry is smart enough to not let that happen. Um, but, Pat, I'll go to you. What's, what are your takes on the Browns potentially um, getting Deshaun Watson? First of all, that did happen. I, Yeah, I'll be making some jokes. Um, anyway... It's a little bit of payback because Browns fans would hound Big Ben for certain years. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. 
same scenario played out. But I think that if the Browns were to trade, I wouldn't trade Baker Mayfield, just trade him to a different team. Like, incorporate everything, like the draft picks, the players, but don't trade Baker to the Texans. They don't, they don't need a quarterback. They had Davis Mills, who was going to be the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Mark my words. Davis Mills is the GOAT. Okay. But I would I would trade Jarvis, uh, like you said, Austin Hooper, um, Kareem Hunt, or uh, Dearness Johnson, whichever one ends up, like, you know, not kind of working out a deal. Um, and, like, one or two draft picks to Houston, get Deshaun Watson, and then ship Baker off somewhere else for draft picks. All right, fair enough. Um, personally, I ride with six. I think he should just stay our quarterback. And, like I said, my ideal scenario, keep Jarvis, keep Clowney, get Jordan Davis. We're solid everywhere. Dump Kareem Hunt and Austin Hooper if that needs to be done to make the money work. And we're sitting pretty. That's what I think should happen. That's what I want to happen. I don't think it will, though, because I think Jarvis is not sick of Cleveland, but I think Jarvis wants out. And I think Clowney is going to ask for a lot of money that Andrew Barry and company might not be comfortable giving him. So we'll see how it plays out with Cleveland, but a lot of buzz going on. More conversations coming out about him wanting, or the Browns wanting to target Deshaun Watson. So... We'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason for our very own Cleveland Browns. Um, before we get off the air, gentlemen, any last takes on today's show? Um, most importantly, go Zips. Yes, sir. You can't, since you're carry, you are the most overrated player to ever touch a basketball. God, I... Mm. I have nothing nice to say about sincere carry. I really don't. It's not stooped to their level. I, but I, I know, agree. I know. I agree. You know, after what he and the electric chickens did, after they beat us at the jar, and with the video and everything, it it was a long time coming. And I'm glad to see them fall. Um, Matt Canada, if you're hearing me for the Steelers, um, I disagree with you wanting to bet around Mason Rudolph. I hate you for that. Don't do it. You suck. I don't like you, Matt Canada. Again, one of those things. Um, the Browns, honestly, I'm going to put them right now as number one in the, AF- in the AFC North, the finish now. Wow. Okay, I love it. Marcus, to you. Bizarre, go Zips. Congrats on the spot in the March. Congrats on the MAC title. And congrats on the spot in the, in the NCAA tournament. Sweet 16, that's what I'm predicting for y'all. Number but the best for y'all still. It would be nice to see y'all in the Final Four. But anyways, Cleveland. <laughs> We're going all the way. Come on. No, I'm, I'm being optimistic here. I'm being optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland, let's make it happen. Forget about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I disagree with you on that, but Kent Reed, Kent Wright, Kent win the big one against our very own Akron Zips. Let's go. Akron, go Zips. What a game last night. What an atmosphere. Go Enrique Freeman. I love seeing what the boys were doing on the floor last night. I'm excited to see them continue with that run into the March Madness Tournament. Right now I have Arizona winning it all, but we'll see if that changes. Hopefully the Cavs can do something good this week. I know it's a tough schedule, but all at home, so maybe we pick some wins up there. And baseball's back. I love it so much. Go Guards. Go Guardians. I'm all about the new name, all about the new season, all about the new role changes as well. It's a crazy week in the NFL, and I feel like it's going to be a crazy 
off season. So hopefully the Browns make the root, make the right moves. I do have complete confidence in Andrew Barry to build the best team possible come the off season. Go participate in Around the Root on Twitter. It is live. So go do that. And uh, joining me today was... I'm Patrick Weber. I'm Marcus Anderson. My name is Jake Murrin. Thank you for joining us today. We will be back next week, same time and place on 881 WZIP.